Well, turn with me this morning in the Bible to James, the fourth chapter, please. James chapter four. And then also find Romans chapter 13. James chapter four and verse six says, he, God, gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many acknowledge that you need his grace for everything? Right? Grace is one of the big words of the New Testament. Uh, Included in the concept of grace, uh, one definition of grace has to do with gift, something that's given to you, something that is not earned or merited, it's just a free gift, doesn't have to be deserved or earned. And uh, in that one word, what has he given us? He gives us uh, mercy, he gives us strength, he gives us ability, he gives us wisdom, direction, help. I mean, there's so much in this one word, grace. Ability is there. How many need his ability and his strength, his direction and guidance and help for everything? Well, who gets all this ability, this grace? The humble. How about the proud and haughty? They don't get it. What do they get? They get resisted by God. Now, you don't want to be resisted by God. You don't want God saying, I'm against you. With him against you? It ain't going to go. Right? God's resisting you. Whew. Oh, but with the grace of God, God is helping you. He's assisting you. He's enabling you. And who gets that? The humble. Pride is one of the most terrible things in the human experience. It is the very nature of the devil himself. We use that word all the time. We're proud. We're proud this. We're proud that. Pride is an awful thing. It is something that will cause God himself to resist you. And we must learn about it. And one place to start is eliminating it from your regular conversation. Well, I'm proud of my children. Use another word. I'm pleased with my children. I believe in my children. I love my children, but I'm proud because a lot of those people are, they are proud about their kids and it's a bad thing. It's something God can, will cause God to resist you in these areas. I'm proud to be an American. We're proud to be this. We're proud. No, no. You're thankful. Did you hear me? You're thankful. You value it. You esteem it. But we should be working on eliminating pride from every aspect of our life. Because pride causes you to be resisted of God. (laughs) Some folk didn't like that. Did I write this? Is pride good or bad? Bad. You want grace. Who gets grace? The humble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You use different words, and it's not just a matter of using a different word. It's a matter of a different thought, a different mindset, and a different heart. The very next verse says what? Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, how many like the sound of that? (laughs) Who was that? One of our little ones. They said a while back, you got to tell the devil to get. Who was that? Oh, yeah. How old is he? Four years old. One of our little guys. And he met somebody, a total stranger to him, at a garage sale. And how did it start out? Yeah. Said something about hating something. And he told her, four years old, total stranger to garage sale. He said, we don't hate. And he said something about the devil. He said, you just tell the devil to get, and he's got to get. <laughs> I thought, outstanding. <laughs> tell the devil to get, and, well, that's what this said, right? Resist the devil, and what? He will flee. Now, you don't have to wait till you see something in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. To say get. (laughs) Jesus tells us. The thief. That's the devil. Comes not but for to steal. And to kill. And to destroy. But I am come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. Jesus said. Anything that is stealing in your life. You should resist it. Not lay down and say. Well maybe it's the will of God. No. God's not stealing from you. Anything that's killing something in your life, killing a relationship, killing a liver, killing a kidney, killing part of your heart, killing something in your finances, or destroying something in your life, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to resist it. Oh, that was a little weak. See, that's one of the big problems in so many Christians' lives. They are so passive. Whatever will be, will be. You know, you just never know what's going to happen, what God's going to do. And this passivity is allowing the enemy to destroy people. And in their ignorance, they're going, well, we just know the Lord knows best. He just knew that, you know, that needed tearing up in our life. And, and he just knew that that needed to be killed and destroyed. And no, no. Stealing, killing, destroying is the devil. Jesus said so. So what should you do? Anything that is stealing and killing and destroying in your life, tell me what to do. You resist it. Or in the words of Maverick, tell him to get. And he has to get. Get. Right? Yes. But now notice what preceded that. What? Submit yourself to God. Then it says... Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Why would the devil have to flee from you? Because you have a place of authority over him. But you are not able to, you and I would not be able to operate in this place of authority unless and until we give God his place of authority over us. Can you see this? You submit yourself to God. Next thing says what? Resist the devil and he has to flee from you. Can you see this? We began talking last week about this subject of submission and authority. The subject of submission, the subject of authority. They go together. 
And we said this word submit, sometimes translated subject also. It literally means to rank or arrange under. And another word translated subject and submit means to give in to or to yield to. When we give God his place over us, we take our place under him. Then we're in a position to demand that the devil take his place under our feet. But if we're yielding to the enemy, does he have to submit to us? If we're yielding to him, does he have to, you know, yield and give place to us? The scripture said, don't give any place to the devil. Can you give place to the devil in your life? Well, see, like we talked about that last week, Adam and Eve, that's what they did. They had authority over all the creation. God gave it to them. But then the enemy came in there and they submitted to him. And did what he suggested and said. And because they did, now he had a place over them. Oh, but Jesus came and fixed it for us. I said, Jesus came and fixed it for us. And the enemy and sin did not rule over Jesus. He ruled. Can you say amen? As a man, he walked in authority. And then glory to God, he rose from the dead. And he said, I got the keys. Death, hell, and the grave. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he left. And he said, you go. So you and I now can walk in authority. Over the enemy. Over the curse. Over the stuff of the enemy in the earth. But it's not going to work unless we give God his place over us. Can you say amen? Now... Well, go ahead and read Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 1. I'll be reading this from the NIV. Romans 13, 1. NIV says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Some have tried to teach and preach and believe and say that in God, everything is absolutely on the same level. And you've had churches that have tried to uh, have church without a leader. We don't believe in a pastor. We don't believe in a leader. And people that try to formulate in their minds some type of uh, spiritual socialism, uh, communism, everybody's common and on the same. Well, we talked about that last week. In the family of God, we all have equal rights and privileges. We're all loved the same. We all have the same rights to being saved and healed and prosperity and deliverance in the name of Jesus. But in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God, there is rank. There is place. And even in this earth, the authorities that exist, God ordained that there be a structure of authority. Right? And the word is a military word for rank. That there be those here and those here and those here and those here. That is of God. That's what we just got through reading. 
the authorities that exist are of God. Now let's just stop right here for a moment. Does that mean that everybody in authority on the earth, that everything they do is of God? Well, that's obviously not the case, right? But the fact that there is an authority is of God. Can you see that? And you'll hear me say this again and again, but here's such a truth. You may not be able to respect or appreciate everything that a person in authority says or does. But you must respect the place. Elsewise, you disrespect the one who placed them. Can you see this? I'm going to go over that again. I said you may not be able to respect or appreciate everything that a person in authority says or does. But you must respect the place they're in. Elsewise, you fail to respect God who placed them there. Do you understand that? Very important. Very important. He said the authorities that exist have been established by God and he who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Now, see, we just got through reading. If you are proud, pride and rebellion go hand in hand. Did you know that? Proud and rebellious. Have you ever experienced personal rebellion? No hands raised, no testimonies. But I'm asking, have you ever experienced rebellion in your own life? I can answer that for you. Yes, you have. (laughs) Repeatedly. And before this is through, you and I need to get settled that we recognize this in ourselves. Not try to judge somebody else, but the, the way rebellion feels and the way it affects us. So that when it starts to come up, what do we do? We quench it. We push it down. And we keep our body under. Right? And this is one of the biggest things you and I learn. Because, you know, the nature of the devil is pride and rebellion. And that's what he has done from the beginning. Is rebel against God. And that's what he was able to breathe into our first parents. Adam and Eve was rebellion against God. The Bible said Eve was deceived about the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam was not. What does that mean? If he wasn't deceived, what did he do? He knew better. He knew what was going on. And the devil is talking to them about this. And he willingly. See, this is not just a technical mistake they made out there that day. He willingly rebelled against God and threw off God's authority over him. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to take this. And we're going to be like gods ourselves. Well, they already were and didn't have enough sense to realize it. But we can't throw any stones. What would you have done if you were there? See how quiet it got. What would you have done if you were in the Garden of Eden at the tree and the devil's tempting you? I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. You've already proved what you would have done. The only way you could say you wouldn't do it is if you could stand up today and say, I've never sinned, ever. 
Well, you can't say that. So you did what they did. So we're all in the same boat there. But thanks be unto God, there is a fix for sin. Well, do you see this here? The authorities that exist are of God. And if you rebel against the authority, you're rebelling against what God has instituted. Now turn with me to Acts, the 15th chapter, please. Acts 15. Peter went and preached to the Gentiles, which was against their church rules. And he got called on the carpet when he got back. And he got called before the uh, committee. And you went where? And you preached where? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> I had some people corner me one time. They said, did you go over that such and such place and preach? I said, yeah. They said, why'd you go over there? Don't you know those folk are messed up? I said, all the more reason for me to go. <laughs> Help them out. Right? Such ignorant thinking. Anyway, they preached. And you know what happened? God saved and filled these Gentiles with the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. And, uh, you know, man, it, it was a big deal. Boy, they had a big council meeting and all the leaders came together and some folk were hot about it and upset about it. But notice, and this is the big meeting they're having right now in uh, this 15th chapter. And uh, they're disputing about it. Disputing means arguing and fussing. And verse 6, notice this. The apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up. He stood up and he said to them, men and brethren. You know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now he goes on talking and when he gets through, they reach a consensus and agreement and this thing is solved. Now he stands up and speaks with authority. Do you see this? And they listen to him and they submit. Why? Did you hear this phrase? What gives him the right to stand up and speak on this? God made choice among us that the Gentiles should hear by my mouth. Then that gives him a right to speak on this. Because he's the one God chose to do it. God chose to use him. Everybody say God's choice. choice. Now this is what we really get into here. God's choice. Because so many people are carnal. And they just look at each other. They're not acknowledging that God is choosing people. From among us. And giving them places over us. In different parts of the ministry and life. That, that's that's like a foreign concept to some folks. But is God real? Yes. Does he choose people yes. from among us 
and put them in positions over us. Well, go to Hebrews, please. Hebrews 13, verse 7. He said, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday and today and forever. Remember them. Why would he say remember them? Because people forget. Don't stay aware of it. Remember who? Those who have the rule over you. Has God chosen from among us? People and put them in places over us. Well, I'm going to begin to... uh, Ask these questions and I'm asking it of myself and you and everybody watching. How are you going to remember who's over you and you don't know who's over you? Don't answer out loud, but I'm asking you the question, who's over you in the Lord? You need to be able to put names and faces there, right? And people have gotten off in these areas on both sides of this. People have gotten off to where, like I've already said, you know, nobody's over me. It's just me and God. And then uh, you get in the ditch on the other side where you got leaders trying to tell people who to marry and what car to buy and what tie to wear and what to cook for supper. Did you hear me? And make people dependent on them. And that's not right. But there is truth in the word. Where is it? How are we to understand it? How are we to practice these things? So he said, remember them that have the rule over you, who've spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, follow them, he said. But he didn't just say follow them blindly. He said, look at their lifestyle and the way it goes and the way it winds up. And then he reminds Jesus is the same all the time. And good leaders are going to be steady. Not in and out and up and down. Right? You want to follow somebody that every other week they're backslid. Right? You want somebody that's solid and steady. Now, skip on down to the 17th verse. What does it say? Obey them that have the rule over you. Is this New Testament? Does this apply to us? Who has a rule over us? Is he talking about people? (laughs) You see how the amens dwindle down on this. (laughs) What are you wanting, Brother Keith? I'm wanting us to obey God. All of us. In every way. I don't have anything in particular in mind. But the Bible is right. We must think right. You know, part of our problem in churches, the reason so many churches are so weak, is because they don't have real leaders. They have hirelings. And people that's got no control or no authority. Committees hire them and committees fire them. And so they turn into politicians. They have to try to keep people's 
favor so that they'll vote for him next time. And preachers and pastors are looked at as hirelings. We hired him to do our preaching for us and our praying for us. And they have no concept of somebody being over them. In the law, oh no, 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 no. That's just our little preacher. <laughs> we hired you to preach. You do that and stay out of our business. Now, is it right? Am I telling you? This is how it is with millions of people. And what people get to looking at each other and forget. God has chosen and placed. Listen to 1 Corinthians uh, 12. Hold your place in Hebrews. I'm not through there. But 1 Corinthians 12 The language the Lord uses, talking about the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, God has set some in the church. Who set them? Now listen, what's the very next word? What does first mean? First apostles. Now this is body-wide. Secondly, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that. Now, why does he use the language first, second, third, after that? Is there rank? See, if you were here last week, we saw there's rank among the angels. What's an archangel? Why archangel? Why not just angel? And, you know, uh, Michael, the angel, talked about his angels. What do you mean his angels? Angels that are under him. Right? In uh, the enemy's camp, there's rank. Principalities. Powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There's rank almost everywhere acknowledged and practiced except much of the body of Christ. And we're just all buddies. <laughs> or try to be. No, there is rank. It hasn't been acknowledged. It hasn't been, you know, people, like I said, get into one extreme or the other. But do you have a desire to understand what God has said and done? And to honor Him. By honoring his choices. God has set in the church. Now go back to Hebrews. Let's keep reading this. All this is New Testament you see. Hebrews 13 and 17. What does it say? Obey them. Boy that's a strong word isn't it? Obey them. You know that phrase has been taken out. Of a majority of wedding vows. (laughs) Hasn't it? Because it's not politically correct. (laughs) I'm not going to stand up and say, I'm going to obey him. (laughs) It's not correct. It's not politically correct. Why why is that such a deal? (laughs) Well, again, does the Bible say anything about the home? Is there to be any structure in the home? 
I preached on some of these things, you know, one day and a lady came up to the front, kind of aggravated. And her husband was in trail about 10 paces behind him. <laughs> and she barked at me while he just stood back behind and with his head down. How many understand that's wrong on numerous levels? And then she started trying to make a joke. She said, well, you know, people have asked me, who wears the pants in your house? Well, I didn't need to ask. <laughs> she laughed. She said, ha ha, neither one of us. We both wear knickers. Short pants. I didn't laugh. I looked at her husband. He's miserable. I looked at her. She's miserable. Oh, she's getting her way, but she's miserable. Did you hear me? And you got that situation in churches where you got deacons and you got unspiritual businessmen and all kind of people running things and they're miserable and the church is miserable and drying up. Did you hear me? God's got a way. His way is right. His way works. Man's got a way. It doesn't work. Well, let's read this again then. Verse 17, what does it say? Obey them them that have the rule over you. And do what? Submit Submit yourselves. Is this scripture? Is it New Testament? Should we do it? Yeah. Yeah. Someone said, is there ever a time when you wouldn't obey? Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that later. But one thing at a time. This is a new idea to a lot of people right here. (laughs) Right? Been in the Bible all along. Who's going to make you submit? Who's going to submit you? No, you are going to submit yourself. That's one of the big differences between kingdom operation and the world. In kingdom things, nobody is to try to make you submit or make you do anything. Well, then if they don't make me, then I'm not. Well, then you're going to pay a price. With God, who makes us submit to God? Are we the bride of Christ? Is he our head? Is he our husband? If we don't submit to him, we won't agree with him and cooperate with him. Does he make us do what he wants us to do? Does he force us to do what he knows is best for us? No, he does not. What if we won't do it? Then we won't do it. And it'll cost us. But he's not going to make us. And he is the ultimate example. And therefore every pastor and every leader and every head of every house, etc. Is to operate exactly the same way. A love head. Did you hear me? I'm going to say this phrase and it'll come up again. Fear forces. Love Leads. Faith follows. We'll be talking about that more. Fear forces. That's why people try to make people do something. Because they're afraid if I don't make them, they won't do it. Well, they may not. Here at the church, what's my job? What's Phyllis's job? What's the leadership's job? To lead. Right? Lead by precept and by example. Lead. Express the vision. Be an example. 
lead and say, come on, let's do it. Right? What if the people won't? Then they won't. Right? But some will. Right? And we just have to keep preaching to everybody like they will. And if people say, I ain't doing it, then I go, next. Do you want to do it? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Somebody will. Right? But I don't believe it. Next. Somebody will. And they'll receive. Right? But it's not for me to try to make anybody do anything. God doesn't. He won't. I shouldn't try. But you submit yourself. This is not something somebody's making you do. You are willingly and freely of your own volition submitting yourself to someone that God has placed over you. Can you see this? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Good leaders are not trying to see what you can do for them. They're watching out for you. They're interested in the welfare and condition of your soul. As they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Good leaders are glad when the people do good. When they do well. It's not what we can shake out of the people. What I can get out of you. No, your success is my success. Right? So I never understood about people who oppose the prosperity message. They get up and say, we don't believe in all that. We don't believe in what Keith and that faith life bunch preaches and believes. And then turn around and want to receive an offering. (laughs) If the man in the seat doesn't prosper, are you with me now? How's the whole church family prospering? That's a part of it. It's foolishness. It's ignorance. No, we're, that's one reason we give testimonies. We're excited when we hear somebody paid off their debts. Right? Man, glory to God. Well, we'd rather hear that than eat when we're hungry. I had. Man, that's music to my ears. Not just coming in talking about stuff, but actually getting results in our life. Coming out of debt. You hear what two or three houses that people are closed on? People are getting their houses. And God's getting the glory. Coming out of debt. They're being a blessing. Well, leaders must give an account. Isn't that something? Phyllis and I are going to have to stand one day and give an account. For how we led you. And what we taught you and what we did. Whether we led you right or whether we led you astray. And so is everybody else. So I said, well, that's why I'm glad I'm not a minister. That includes you. In front of your kids. In front of your friends. In front of your employees. But we, ministers have an extra charge. It's true. But now you think about this. Let's say you call me over and you want me to watch your kids for you. Which I'm not saying I would do. I have before, but if I did, you said, now, Brother Keith, I'm holding you responsible for my children. You better not let anything happen to them. And then you pause, you said, but don't you correct them. 
Don't you say a word of correction to them. You have no authority to correct them or tell them what to do and what not to do. How does that work? You're going to hold me accountable for their well-being, but you give me no authority over their life. That doesn't work. But see, that's what people in churches want. (laughs) Did you hear that? They want people to be responsible for their spiritual welfare, but don't tell me anything in my life. (laughs) People are looking like, what's he building up to? Would you just get that off your mind? This is enough right here. This is it. He's going to try to run my business. I got plenty of stuff to do without sticking my nose in your business. I don't even want to know. I got plenty to do. (laughs) I'm not saying this for my benefit. All of us. Body-wide, church-wide, should acknowledge these truths and operate in them. In Jesus being our head, right? Those he has chosen over us from the family level to the local church level to the body of Christ level. We should be spiritual enough to discern God's choice. Say, look, God has chosen that man. God's chosen that woman. You see the anointing on them? You see the call on their life? Well, they're flesh. They could say and do some dumb stuff. They could make some mistakes, right? But that doesn't mean they're not chosen of God. And we must respect the place. Elsewise, we don't respect what God has done. Hebrews, let's read the last one here in Hebrews. He sums up this chapter in verse 24 by saying it again. This is the third time in one chapter. Verse 24, Hebrews 13, salute who? All them that what? All them is more than one. Right? All them that what? That have the rule over you. And all the saints, they of Italy, salute you. Are there people that God has chosen, brothers and sisters of ours, chosen from among us and put them in positions of authority over others of us? Has he done that? He has. Should we respect it? Should we submit ourselves to that and obey? That's what he said. Now go to 1 Thessalonians if you were... Holding that or go ahead and turn there. First Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5 and 12. It says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish Includes the idea of uh, instruction and correction. Uh, Parents should have a place of authority over their children, shouldn't they? But then they should not only be able to instruct them, they should be able to correct them. Right? And admonish, which includes the idea of warning too. Sometimes you need to be stern. Doesn't mean you don't like somebody. 
It means they're not paying attention. And this is serious and they don't realize it's serious. Children and those without experience and understanding, that can happen. They're doing something and they're in a way and they don't see what's going on. And that's one reason God gives children parents. Right? And he gives uh, spiritual children parents also. Right? Notice back in Hebrews, he said, remember those. Here, what does he say? Know them. Can you see what one of the problems is? People don't know. They don't acknowledge. If you ask them, you stop. Are you a believer? Yes, somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a believer. Who's your Lord? Jesus is my Lord. Great. Who's over you in the Lord? What would thousands say? Uh, just God and me. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a statement. Body wide, it's God and then you're next. Whew. <laughs> it's just God and me. Now, when it comes to your prayer life, yes, there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. He's the only man you got to go through to get your prayers answered. Did you hear me? But in doing the work of the Lord and the service of the Lord, he is the captain of our salvation. And God is the God of armies. He has angelic armies and he has the army of his body of Christ in the earth. And there should be discipline and order. And to achieve that, you must have rank. We operate in love in our rank, but it's still supposed to be there. And you respect it. You got to learn how to change hats. Keep reading this and I'll explain a little further. Know them. Say it out loud. Know them. So you got to know who they are. You should be able to put, when we say, who's over you in the Lord? You should be able to write down some names of people. Who's over you in the Lord? And labor among you. Now, good leaders are not just going to be lazy. They're going to be working. They're over you in the Lord and they admonish you. And to do what else? Verse 13. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Not because of their flesh. You know, the biggest problem with leaders is that they're like you. They got flesh just like you. They yield to it just like you. But you can respect the work's sake. For the work's sake. You can respect the place and the work. In spite of people's flesh. He said then to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. This is a big factor in having peace. I know, uh, you know, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I'm so thankful. One of the greatest things I've ever experienced thus far. But I, I didn't. I thought I had another call. And I do. God just added something to it. And uh, we'd never done it before. So, uh, well, I mean, a little side thought here. When it comes to service teams, you may think in your mind, this is what I want to do. But some of the leadership may suggest you do something else. What should you do? So we've had several people that we called on and they refused to help because it wasn't the area they signed up for. Well, that means they don't respect us. They don't respect place. Did you hear me? What if I'd have said, no, that's not my call. 
Pastor's not my call. Boy, I'd have missed it. You and I wouldn't be talking this morning. But when we first got here, and I've talked to other pastors, and they said universally, people have seen this. You start a church, and several interesting people will show up <laughs> to tell you what you should do and things they want to do in your church. They don't have the anointing and favor and support to do it themselves, so they want to use yours to do that. And all these folk being led for you. I just feel led, Brother Keith, that you should do this. Why don't you feel led what you should do? You see that too much. I just feel led that you should do. Watch out. you being led for somebody else. And uh, then the Lord got a hold of me. I mean, I wasn't here two or three weeks. And he got a hold of me one evening. <laughs> and boy, he set me straight. He said, Keith, I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but it was strong in my spirit. Because people had asked, we want to do this. And we want to start this prayer meeting. And we want to start this meeting. We want to do this this way. And we want to do this. And would you let us do this? And we let her do this. And see, people who are politicians in ministry, they try to keep everybody happy. Do you see this? So let everybody do what they want to do. Because if I tell them no, they may quit. And they may leave and go somewhere else. And they may not give. <laughs> and a lot of folks say, well, just let them go. Well, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> you don't see the bills every week either, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, and I had, you know, I'm trying to see how to do this. I've never done this before. Phyllis and I have never done it. And the Lord spoke to me. I wrote it down. Dated it. <laughs> Well, he's over me, right? He's the great shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd. He said, Keith, if you're always giving in to people, who's leading this place? Well, he asked me a question. I said, well, <laughs> it wouldn't be me. If you're always getting somebody want to do this, you say, yeah, okay. I want to do this. All right. Then who's leading it? Well, whoever happens to be asking to do something at the time is leading it. He said, if you're always giving that, did you hear that phrase? Giving in, that's another word for submitting. Isn't it? Somebody said, Brother Keith, I want to do this. If I have a witness that it's right, then I should do it. But that's not submission. Let me say this out loud. Parents should never submit to their children. So this is what if they're right? Then do it if it's right, but it's not submitting. You don't give in to them. You decided it was right. Do y'all get this or not? You never submit. You know, well, I want to do it. And you didn't want them to do it, but finally you got tired. So you just gave in. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Every time, wrong. You're letting them usurp authority, letting them act like they run the family. You never give in and submit to them. If you decide, now maybe you were wrong about something and you see they were right. Well, that don't mean you're just hard-headed and go on and being wrong. You change. But it's because you decided it was right, not because you just gave in to them. Did you get it that time? 
No. And so that's what the Lord's saying to me. He said, if you're always giving in to people, who's leading this place? I said, well, it wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted one of them to lead it, I'd have put them in instead of you. And I begin to realize I have a responsibility. Right? And that's what he just got through saying. That they may give an account. Not with grief. But glad. Right? I want to be able to stand before the Lord on that day. And not be sad about this. Or upset about this. But glad because we made progress. And we didn't let something derail us. And we weren't weak. And passive. And moved by every wind of changing doctrine and everybody that come along that had an idea. But that God led us. Said, well, I just believe that God ought to be in charge. Me too. I just believe, I don't believe in all that. I believe the Holy Ghost ought to be in charge. Great. Who gets to say what he's leading though? Did you get that? Well, I just believe the Holy Ghost ought to be leading. Great. Me too. But who gets to say what that is? That's why God has placed people in authority. Can you say amen? Amen. And he said, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's just lift our hands and thank God for just a moment here. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your right ways of doing things. Your perfect ways. You know best. Close your eyes. Everybody pray it out loud. Say it out loud. Father God. Forgive me. For any times. And places. That I have not acknowledged your choices that I have not respected those you've placed in positions in the body. Open my eyes, my ears, my heart. Help me to realize all those who are over me in you. In the Lord, and I purpose to submit myself, to obey, to esteem highly, not just respecting flesh, but respecting the place, and you, the God, who has placed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Keep your eyes closed. I heard this in my spirit. I heard this in my spirit. For there is a place in the body. There is difference of position in the things of God. And in this plan of God and in this placement of God... There is safety. There is security. And when all the host of God and all the army of God stand, every man, in their place, then 
is the body strong and there is no gap and there is no hole and there is no access to the enemy. And when every man stands in his place strong and keeping rank, then the enemy is resisted and the enemy runs and flees in terror. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Said out loud, Lord, show me my place. And those over me. And those under me. And I'll respect it. And I'll operate in it. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many understand this is a different way of living? We've already talked about this before. We spent, you know, months actually talking about how to be led by the Spirit. Spirit Spirit-led life. And God expects you and I and we expect you to be led by the Spirit for yourself. Right? This is not about going to some man and saying, you tell me what to do. You tell me what to do. No, no, no. You learn how to hear from God for yourself. You be led for yourself. But there's another side, another truth too. In doing the service and the work of the kingdom, God's given us projects. Right? And God's given us missions. Is that right? And there's to be leaders and rank and there's to be proper organization and God's teaching us about this and we're going to rise up in it and we're going to do it and we're going to function like a well oiled machine is that right and we're going to be men and women that can keep rank and we know how to submit and we know how to lead both sides submission and authority can you say amen This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.